copies to your handout. First page is mostly review, and then there's Bible verses on the back. We're not going to be able to cover them all. Um, this doctrine is very pervasive in Scripture. It is everywhere. In fact, if you look on that back, sheet, back side of your handout, there is a verse from just about every book in the New Testament, from the book of John to Revelation. In fact, the only books I was missing, I think, are 1 Timothy and 3 John. There's at least one verse from every other book. Um, it's easy to find. <laughs> but first, we're going to go through uh, a review of total depravity. Um, we keep reviewing total depravity, and I continue pressing on it because it is the foundation for understanding the other four doctrines and the doctrines of grace. If you have a proper understanding of total depravity, there is no other choice but to accept the other four. So total depravity is because of man's, because of Adam's fall, man is born not merely wounded, but radically depraved and spiritually dead. In man's natural state, he is absolutely unable to affect his own salvation. In this condition, man is a slave to sin and hostile to God, having neither the ability nor the desire to repent and to turn to him. And we get that from Romans 3. As it is written, there is none righteous, not even one. There is none who understands, none who seek for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. There is none who does good, not even one. So if there are none who do good and none who are righteous, none who seek after God, not even one, then how is anybody saved? And that is answered in the next doctrine of unconditional election. We are saved because, and I'll give you the definition of unconditional election, God decided to choose for himself certain individuals to be his elect, his people. These chosen ones God gave to Christ in order to be redeemed. They were not chosen due to any foreseen merit on their part, but entirely out of God's sovereign will, good purpose, mercy, and glory. And the verse that I'd like to point out for you for that is John 15:16. I did not choose, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed that you go and bear fruit. God's word clearly says, you did not choose me, I chose you. It doesn't get much clearer than that. Also, Ephesians 1. I'll read that again. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless in love, by predestining us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to his good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he graciously bestowed on us in the beloved. Election is another one of those doctrines in Scripture that is very clear, and is, you find over and over and over again. And then the next doctrine that we covered was irresistible grace, and I'll give you the definition of that. The Holy Spirit extends an irresistible call bringing a person inevitably to Christ. The Spirit creates a new heart and new nature in the dead sinner through regeneration. This supernatural call cannot ultimately be thwarted and will not be resisted by the sinner, who, as a result of it, freely, willingly, and lovingly turns to Christ as Lord and Savior. John 6.44 
No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. John 6:65. For this reason I have said to you, no one can come to me unless it has been granted him from the Father. In Romans 11, which we'll cover again today, Romans 11, verse 29. I think I had 29, or 25 in your notes. It's 29. Romans 11, 29. The gifts... And the calling of God are irrevocable. We're going to come back to that. The gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. So irresistible grace could be called the doctrine of irrevocable gifts. God's gifts are irrevocable. And that brings us to today's topic, perseverance of the saints. Perseverance of the saints, I'll give you the definition here. All those who have truly answered God's call and have been regenerated by the Holy Spirit will remain so for the rest of their lives. Those who do not so remain were never effectually called to begin with. Thus, the regenerated, elected Christian can have confidence and assurance knowing that he is being kept by the sovereign power and faithfulness of God. This is a wonderful, wonderful doctrine. Romans 11 The gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. You can't resist them when he gives them to you, and you can't give them back after he gave them to you. He will keep them and keep you. Now, if we understand the doctrine of total depravity correctly, if we understand what we mean when we say there is no one who does good, all have turned aside, no one is righteous, no one does good, then we understand that man in his sinful nature will always rebel against God. So God has to elect you, irresistibly call you and draw you in. But if God doesn't keep you, you would continue to rebel against him. So perseverance of the saints, again, it hinges on total depravity. If you don't understand total depravity and that you will always rebel against God if God allowed you to return to your sinful nature, then it is God who has to keep you. And if it is God who has to keep you, it is him who brings you through, who makes you persevere. And we'll see that more as we study scripture. Um, Oftentimes when I'm studying these lessons, I'll pull up sermons by my favorite, some of my favorite preachers. Um, And one was a three-sermon series John MacArthur had. And he says this about the doctrine of perseverance of the saints. He said, to get this doctrine of perseverance of the saints or the eternality of salvation wrong is to produce chaos in regard to the doctrine of predestination, the doctrine of election, the doctrine of justification, the doctrine of sanctification, and the doctrine of glorification. It is, if you will, to unravel all the cords of salvation. The most important element in all the range of salvation doctrines is this issue of perseverance of the saints. It is, in the end, what makes salvation salvation, because it is forever. Without perseverance of the saints, what would become of salvation? If it is not God who keeps you and holds you, if you understand total depravity correctly, then there is no salvation without God holding you and keeping you. The elect cannot fall away because it is God who keeps them. Turn to the book of Jude. Have your Bibles? Turn to the book of Jude. Second to last book in the Bible. Very short. Very good book. 
book of Jude. Cliff Middleton, can you read verse 1? Preserved through Jesus Christ. The NES way it puts it is to those who are called beloved in God the Father and kept for Jesus Christ. God the Father keeps you. You are kept for Jesus Christ by God the Father. Okay, now look down to Jude 24, verses 24 and 25. Uh, Cliff Montry, verse 24 and 25. Amen. A great doxology you've probably heard many times. To him who is able to keep you from stumbling, and he will make you stand in the presence of his glory blameless. It is God who keeps you, and it is God who brings you to glory. A proper understanding of total depravity shows you that if you could lose your salvation, you would lose it. Right? You can't gain salvation by an act of your own will. It is God who does the saving. So neither can you keep your salvation by an act of your own will, and neither can you lose your salvation by an act of your own will. It is God who chose you. It is God who keeps you. He is able to keep you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory. Um, One of the reasons I chose that hymn um, that we just sung See if I can find it. Oh, here, the last phrases that we read, the last two lines. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. That's right. We're prone to wander, right? If it's not God who keeps us, then there is no salvation. We must have God holding us and keeping us in. That is why an understanding of total depravity is so crucial to the understanding of all of these doctrines. Okay, uh, the London Baptist Confession of Faith, we've read this one a couple times, um, so I won't have you turn there. Um, but actually you could turn to the, we're going to go through a couple of these. So turn to page 679 in your Trinity hymnal. 679, it's page 679, not hymn 679. Page 679 in the back. While you turn there, I'm going to read you one from chapter 3. You're going to turn to chapter 17, but I'm going to read you one from chapter 3 that we've, we've read a couple times. And in chapter 3, uh, part 6, it says, As God hath appointed the elect unto glory, so he hath, by the eternal and most free purpose of his will, foreordained all the means thereunto. Did you catch that? 
So he elected you unto glory. But not only did he elect you to glory, but he predestined or foreordained all the means to get you to glory. So he planned everything from finish, start to finish. He foreordained the means to the end. Wherefore, they who are elected, being fallen in Adam, are redeemed by Christ, effectually called unto faith in Christ, by his Spirit working in due season, and we are justified, adopted, sanctified, and this is and kept by his power through faith until salvation. And we're going to see that in Scripture more than once. That we are kept by his power through faith to salvation. That's the phrase I want you to keep in your mind. Kept by his power through faith unto salvation. Neither are any other redeemed by Christ or effectually called, justified, adopted, sanctified, and saved, but the elect only. We are kept by God's power through faith, and that always leads to salvation. Okay? This reminds me of Ephesians 2, 8. Right? We should all, all know this by now. This is our theme verse for here. It keeps coming back. It applies to every one of these doctrines, at least the ones we've covered so far. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and it's not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one may boast. In fact, my kids, Sarah and Daniel, are downstairs right now memorizing this verse with Dr. Schmidt. And I've gone over this verse many times, especially with Daniel this week. For it is by grace my kids can recite it for you too, because they hear me going over this with Daniel. (laughs) This is a great verse, and I learned it when I was a kid. And I bet many of you learned this and memorized this when you were kids. But what's surprising to me is how many who have learned this verse who miss it. Who miss the fact that not only is salvation a free gift of God, but the faith needed for salvation is also a free gift of God. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Okay? God has given us the gift of faith, and the faith he has given us is a gift, so it means it's irrevocable, right? The gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. It is the gifts that perseveres to the end, the gift of faith. Um, but we'll also notice here in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and we'll, not, we'll read 9 and 10, for it is not of works that no one may boast, but verse 10 says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God pre- prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. The faith we have been given enables us to do the works that God prepared for us beforehand. Right? Would it be possible for someone to lose their faith and so not being able to do the works that God prepared for them to do? No, it's kind of ridiculous to think about such a thing. God prepared works for you to do through the faith that he has given you. And he will keep you in that faith. This doctrine could be called the perseverance of the faith. The doctrine of perseverance of the faith or the doctrine of persevering faith. My faith can't permanently fail and it won't fail because my faith is an irrevocable gift of God. We are kept by his power through faith unto salvation. Okay, now, the best... One of the best definitions or best explanations of perseverance of the saints as a whole, and it describes it very well, is in the London Baptist Confession of Faith, 
in chapter 17. Um, in fact, one of the doctrines or one of the sermons that I was listening to, the first thing the preacher did, he wanted to know perseverance of the saints. He turned to the Westminster Confession of Faith, and, it, and that one is exactly, it's identical to the London Baptist on this chapter. The two are identical for this chapter. Um, and the first thing he did is he wanted to explain perseverance of the saints. This is where he went um, to this wonderful confession. So it's a little long, but we're going to read part one of chapter 17. We'll read part one of chapter 17. Um, Cliff Middleton, can you read that for us? Part one of chapter 17, it's on page 679. That is a wonderful definition of perseverance of the saints. We're going to go over this again here. We'll take it bit by bit. So those whom God hath accepted in the beloved, effectually called and sanctified by the Spirit, so we're talking about the elect, can neither totally nor finally fall from the state of grace, but he shall certainly persevere therein to the end and be eternally saved, seeing the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. That's the phrase there, without repentance. That's the phrase in the NES that is translated irrevocable. Um, without repentance is the literal translation of the Greek words there. Um, the NES, they do a little um, interpretation there, and they turn it and they make it irrevocable, which is what it means. Um, the gifts and the calling of God are without repentance. So whence he still begets and nourishes them in faith, repentance, love. So what it's saying here is that if you fail or are falling, God still gives you and nourishes you faith in faith, repentance, love, joy, hope, and all the graces of the Spirit unto immortality. And listen to this. And it says, and through many storms and floods arise and beat against them, beat against the elect yet they shall never be able to take them off that foundation and rock which by faith they are fastened upon. So through unbelief and the temptations of Satan, the sensible sight of the light and love of God may for a time be clouded and obscured from them, yet he is still the same. 
and they shall be sure to be kept by the power of God until salvation. Where they shall enjoy their purchased possession, they being engraven upon the palm of her hands, and their names having been written in the book of life from all eternity. John MacArthur says about this, he says, It is crucial for us to understand what the perseverance of the saints does not mean. This will help us understand what it does mean. First of all, it does not mean that Christians don't ever fail. It does not mean that Christians don't fail seriously and severely in their Christian lives. We do. What it does mean is what the confession says it means. They do not fail completely nor finally. Do we fail? Yes. Do we fail severely at times? Yes. Do we fail repeatedly at times? Yes. Fail completely? No. Fail finally? No. That's perseverance of the saints. It doesn't mean we don't have, people don't have doubts. It doesn't mean people don't sin. It doesn't mean people don't fail. What it means is that if God has elected you, and God has chosen you, and you have that irresistible calling from God, that you will persevere to the end. Chapter, or part two, the London Baptist Confession of Faith, chapter 17, back to page 679 in your Trinity hymnal. Um, We'll read uh, part two of chapter 17. Um, Wade, you have that? What I want you to notice is that first, the first couple phrases there. The perseverance of the saints depends on what? Not upon your own free will, but upon the immutability of the decree of election. It depends on God, right? If it was up to your will to keep your salvation, what would happen? You'd lose it, right? We'd be lost. It depends on God, not on us. It is God who keeps us. The mutability of the decree of election flowing from the free and unchangeable loving love of God the Father. This is great. From the free and unchangeable love of God the Father. It is God who keeps you with His love. Okay, we'll go to the one last section here for the London Baptist Confession of Faith. The last um, last part of chapter 17 there, uh, part 3. Uh, Ethan, you have that?
So it doesn't mean, this doesn't mean that Christians won't fail. This is a really good definition here, this whole, this whole chapter of the confession. It doesn't mean that Christians won't fail. Sometimes, through the temptations of Satan over the world and of the, the prevalency of corruption remaining in man and the neglect of means of their preservation fall into grievous sins. That's an interesting phrase there, the neglect of the means of their preservation. What are the means of your preservation? Fellowship, prayer, Lord's Supper, studying God's Word, church. So it adds that, the neglect of those things. You neglect those things and fall into grievous sins and for a time continue in your grievous sin. Then you incur God's displeasure and grieve His Holy Spirit. And then it says, come to the... Come to have their graces and comforts impaired and their hearts hardened and their consciences wounded. That's <laughs> hurt and scandalize others and bring temporal judgments upon themselves. But this is the important part. Yet they shall renew their repentance and be preserved through faith in Jesus Christ to the end. The true believers will always renew their repentance and be preserved through faith in Jesus Christ to the end. It is through the gift of faith that God preserves you. Turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 1. First Peter chapter 1. This is one of the clearest passages in Scripture about the perseverance of the saints, not only how God keeps you, um, but how we do fall and how there are trials. But how God will help you to persevere through them. So First Peter, First Peter chapter 1, we'll read uh, verses 3, 4, and 5. First Peter chapter 1, Verses 3, 4, and 5. Carlos, do you have that? If you can't see <laughs> Okay, no problem. Cliff Montry. First thing I want to point out is remember the phrase I keep coming back to? We are protected by what? Protected by God through faith for salvation. There it is again, right there uh, in verse 5. We are protected by the power of God through faith for salvation. Which we read in the confession a couple times and we saw it in Ephesians. And we keep running back to that phrase. We're protected or kept by God, through faith, for salvation. Okay? Um, 
But God in his great mercy has caused us to be born again. What does it mean to be born again? We covered this a couple times. Let's cover it again. What does it mean to be born again? Okay. Why did you need to be born again? The reason is, is because you were dead, right? How much do dead people do? What does it mean to be dead? I should ask my kids this question. They had it in their science, right? Beth, do you remember the question? How do you know if something is dead? <laughs> the kids are laughing. They forgot the answer. Do you remember? How do you, know, how do you know if something is dead? Do you remember? They don't remember from their science. It doesn't respond to any stimulus. That's how you know it's dead. Dead things, dead people cannot respond. Okay, so when the Bible says you were dead in your transgressions that sin, that means um, you were only slightly impaired but could still come to God on your own, right? <laughs> no. You were dead. Dead means you were dead. Unable to respond to stimulus. Unable to respond at all. You were dead. But you were born again, right? You were dead and you were reborn. You were born again. God raised you to life. Right? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to great mercy has caused us to be born again. Born again to what? A living hope. Verse 3. Born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. You got a living hope. And uh, in Romans it says, and hope does not disappoint. One translation puts it. Born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To obtain an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled. Cliff, your translation there where it said it said to obtain an inheritance, it was not incorruptible. What, how did yours put it? Uh, imperishable. Imperishable or incorruptible and undefiled. And undefiled right? The gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable, and we're going to add to that incorruptible. The gifts and calling of God, the faith that God has given you, is irrevocable and incorruptible. And then we can add to that undefiled and unfading. Having been kept in heaven for you. There is a place in heaven kept by God for you. This is wonderful stuff. Um, you can, hopefully you guys can see why I wanted to go over this again. I mean, this is wonderful doctrines to remember and to be reminded of. You have a place kept in heaven by God for you. And you will make it there. If God has elected you and you've received his call, he will persevere. You will persevere through him. He will hold you. He will keep you. You have been, having been kept in heaven for you who are protected by the power of God, through faith, for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. So you were dead, but you were born again. Can the live person say now, I want to be dead again? No, that's ridiculous. <laughs> right? You were dead. You were resurrected, born again by God's Spirit. He regenerated you. He gave you faith. And you now are alive. And that gift of God is irrevocable. Okay, we'll keep going here in First Timothy, or sorry, First Peter. First Peter one. Um, now we're on verse six. 
We'll go through verse 6, and A will take the next three, the next, uh, three verses, 6, 7, and 8. Actually, we'll take 9, too. 6, 7, 8, 9. Wade, do you have that? Verses 6, 7, 8, 9. 1 Peter 1. 1 Peter 1, 6 through 9. Receiving as the outcome of your, of your faith the salvation of their souls. You are kept by God through faith for salvation. We see it over and over and over again. We greatly rejoice even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. It doesn't, perseverance of the saints doesn't mean you won't be tested. It doesn't mean you won't fail at times. There are trials. But so that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold, which is perishable. What's perishable? So that, here, read it again. So that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold, which is perishable. What's perishable? Which, what are we referring to that's perishable there? The gold. The gold is perishable. Why? Because we've already covered the faith is not perishable, Right? Remember, as we read, at Cliff read, imperishable. The inheritance you received is incorruptible. It's imperishable. The gold is what's perishable. The gold that's tested by fire, gold is perishable. Your faith is not. The proof of your faith being more precious than gold, and the gold is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. You have something way more valuable than gold. The faith that God has given you. God has given you a gift much more precious than gold. The gold is perishable. It will pass away. Your faith will not. And though you have seen Him, you love Him, and though you do not see Him now, but believe in Him, you rejoice with a, a joy inexpressible, full of glory, receiving as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. You are kept by God through faith for salvation. So not only were you regenerated, you were born again, you were rescued from your sinful nature, but also as we see here, God keeps you, that even though you go through trials, God keeps you. And not only does God save you from your sins at one point in time, not only did God regenerate you and you repented and God forgave you of your sins, but it happens on a daily basis, right? We continue to sin, we continue to fall, 
but we rely on God to keep us and continue to save us from our sins. Do you think that at some point God is just going to decide to stop saving you from your sins? It is God who keeps you. It is God who holds you in His hand. Who, well, we'll, get, we'll get to that in John here in a minute. If you take away this, this doctrine of perseverance of the saints, you see how it makes a mockery of salvation. God has to keep you. It is God who holds you in His hand. It is God who keeps you. And the gift of faith He has given you will persevere. It is incorruptible. It is imperishable. It is irrevocable. Okay, so now I have a small dilemma here. We've made it to the second page of your... your, your hand. I don't have a handout here. But on the back of your handout, there is a list of verses. I have less than 20 minutes left. There is no possible way I will ever get through all those verses. I think what we'll do here, um, i got to decide which verses to go over now. I wanted to see how much time that first part would take me and how we're going to get through this. Um, I love Romans on this. Romans is great. Um, here, I'll just read Romans to you now. and then we're, I think what we'll do is um, we'll spend most of the rest of the time in the book of John. The book of John is really clear on this. But let's read. I'm going to read... Actually, turn to Romans 8. Let's go there first. We'll go to Romans 8, and then we'll probably finish up in the book of John. Uh, Once upon a time, I lived in Minnesota, near the town of Rochester, and my wife and I had visited most of any church in the town of Rochester. At the time, it was about 100 to 120,000 people in the town of Rochester, Minnesota. We went to every Bible church, every church we thought might have a chance of being good and Bible-believing. We could find one church, one in the whole town, where when a guy got up to preach, he opened God's Word and said, we're now going to study this passage of Scripture. Everybody else at the time gave some kind of relevant talk, threw in a couple verses here and there, and that was it. So we attended that church. There was a guy who would preach from God's Word. That's where we went. It was a regular Baptist church. And it was fairly good. Um, But every once in a while, um, we'd go drive up to Minneapolis. And we would go to Bethlehem Baptist, which is the church of John Piper. And it was quite a... Uh, contrast between the little church we were going to in Rochester, we were attending and we were members, to go to this church that had like four different services. We went to the service that was the scent-free service. I mean, to have a church that's big enough where you can have have a scent-free service, right? Like there's all these services. There's so many people going there. And we got to, and when when we went there a few times, John Piper was going through Romans 8. And when he preached on Romans 8, it was Romans 8 and 28 and 30, which we've read before. You know, for, for those God whom he foreknew, he predestined to become conformed to the image of the Son. And on this, he used this as his support for perseverance of the saints. When he got to this passage, he preached on perseverance of the saints. An interesting thing at the same time, often on our way home from church on Wednesdays, we turned the radio on and Grace to You was on. 
And sure enough, John MacArthur in his study was also in Romans 8, going through the same passage. And you know what he used when he got here? He taught on perseverance of the saints when he got here to Romans 8. So let's read uh, Romans 8. We've covered 28 through uh, 30 before, but I'll read it to you again. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. Because those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. And those whom he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he justified. And those he justified, he glorified. And there in verse 30 is the perseverance of the saints. He predestined those he elected. He called irresistible grace, right? And those he called the irresistible grace, he justified. And those he justified, he glorified. There are none who have received God's call who don't make it all the way through to glorification. Do you see that? There is no if, ands, or buts in here. There's no ifs or but or if they do this or if you do that. It is those he predestined, he has called, he has called, he justified, and those he justified, he glorified. And then on to verse 37 of Romans 8. Verse 37 through 39. But in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. What can separate you from the love of God? Nothing. Neither height, nor depth, nor angels, nor demons, nor things present, nor things to come, if you're not sure there was nothing was the answer, there's one there. Things present or things to come, that pretty much is everything, right? Nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. What can separate you from Christ? Nothing. The gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. Okay, go to John. The book of John, why don't we start in... Uh, Chapter 3. We're just going to take a little walk here through the book of John. Why don't we start with um, John 3:16? How about we start there? <laughs> Do I need to read it to you? <laughs> For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Whoever believes in him will not perish, but God will give him eternal life. Next chapter, chapter 4. Chapter 4, John 4, um, verses 13 and 14 here. I'll have you guys read some of these so I don't just read them all to you. 
Um, Cliff Middleton, can you read 13 and 14 of chapter 4? Whoever drinks of the water that Jesus gives will never thirst. Here, interestingly, in my translation here, the, this is the Legacy Standard Version. It says, whoever drinks the water that I will give him will never thirst ever. I didn't look it up to see where the ever they put in there came from, if it's in the original. But that's what it says. It says, whoever drinks the water that I will give him will never thirst ever. But the water that I give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. God gives you the water. You drink it. You will never thirst again, ever. And it will bring you to eternal life. Uh, two more chapters later in John 6. Let's go there. John chapter 6. John 6, verses 37 through 40. Cliff Montrai, 37 through 40. How many that God the Father has given to Jesus does he lose? That all that he has given me, I lose nothing. It's very clear. Jesus says, for I've come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that of all that he has given me, I lose nothing. Then he adds, just in case you weren't sure what that meant, that he loses nothing, but he will raise them up on the last day. Everyone who sees the Son and believes in him will have eternal life, and Jesus will raise him up on the last day. Absolutely clear. But here notice also in verse 37 where we started, All that the Father gives Jesus will come to him. Irresistible grace right there again. Everybody whom the Father has chosen comes to Jesus. Jesus keeps them, he holds them, and he gives them eternal life, and he will raise them up on the last day. We have two more chapters after that in John 8. We're going to cruise through the book of John here. John 8, 31 and 32. So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, then you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth 
and the truth will make you free. A note here, um, something I haven't covered about this. Um, Some of the opponents of this doctrine of perseverance of the saints will point to places in Scripture where it will say, um, where where Jesus or God gives an if-then statement. If you do something, then this. But what they'll claim is that it says, if you abide in my word, but then they'll claim, well, okay, then it's possible that you won't abide in his word. Okay, how do you explain that? The explanation is pretty easy. If you abide in his word, then you are truly his disciple, which is what it says. If you don't abide in his word, then you aren't truly his disciple, right? I mean, that makes it pretty clear here. It's not, you all are believers, and some will abide in his word and some won't, right? The division is between believers and unbelievers. If you abide in his word, then you're a believer, you're one who was called and you're one who was elected. If you don't abide in his word, then you were not called and you were not elected. Make sense? The if there doesn't make it so some believers will abide and some believers won't. It's if you abide, then that proves you are a believer. If you don't abide, then it proves you were never a believer. Pretty simple. If you abide in my word, then you are truly my disciple. You will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Okay, John 10, two chapters later. John chapter 10, we'll read verses 26 through 29. John chapter 10, verses 26 through 29. Quentin, I haven't picked on you yet. Do you have that? 26 through 29 of John chapter 10. Gospel of John chapter 10, 26 through 29. So who is going to snatch you out of the Father's hand? Back to Romans 8, right? Remember what Romans 8 said? Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. Notice also, because you do not believe, you are not my sheep. Right? Those who believe are the sheep. If you don't believe, it's because you're not a sheep. Right? It's being the sheep, being chosen by God, that enables you to believe or not believe. My sheep hear my voice. I know them. They follow me. Irresistible grace again. The sheep, the chosen ones, are the ones who follow Jesus. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, ever. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. You are held by God the Father and God the Son. And who can snatch you out of their hand? No one. Nothing. Ever. 
Okay, John 17. John 17, verse 11. Jesus is praying here, and he says, And I am no longer in the world, and yet they themselves are in the world. And I come to you, Holy Father, keep them in your name, the name which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. Notice what Jesus prays there to the Father. Holy Father, keep them in your name. Jesus prays to the Father for you that he will keep you in his name. Verse 24 of John 17. We'll skip down a few verses. Verse 24. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me will be with me where I am so that they may see my glory which you have given me, for you love me before the foundation of the world. Amen. Okay, Romans 5. We'll go to, we got time for one more, one more verse here. We've got to stop. <laughs> Romans 5. Romans 5, verses 3 through 5. And not only this, but we also boast in our afflictions, knowing that affliction brings about perseverance, perseverance, proven character, proven character, hope, and hope does not put to shame because the love of God has poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who, has given to, who he has given to us. And hope does not disappoint, is what one translation puts it in, in verse 5 there. Hope does not disappoint. God has given you faith. Faith produces hope. And the hope does not disappoint. We could keep going. You see all the verses I have there. Um, I just kept coming up with more and more and more. It was easy to find the perseverance of the saints in Scripture. It jumps right out at you. It's not hard. Um, Maybe in your spare time you can go through some of these verses. Um, if you're lucky or fortunate enough to have spare time. (laughs) I don't these days. Um, But it's a wonderful study to go through all these verses that show you how God keeps you, how God has granted you the gift of faith, and that faith will persevere unto salvation. Um, It's a wonderful wonderful study. I was blessed to be able to go through it this week. Um, Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for keeping us in your hand. Thank you that no one and nothing can ever snatch us out of your hand. You are the almighty, all-powerful God who created heaven and earth. There is nothing on this earth that was created or that we've ever seen that wasn't created by you. You are the Holy Father who holds the whole universe in your hand. And yet you loved us enough to give us faith. You help us. Make us persevere. You hold us in your hand and you keep us. And nothing can snatch us out of our hand. May we give you praise, glory, and honor today for that wonderful truth.
For you keep us and you protect us. You watch over us and you are our loving Father. And we cannot praise you enough for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.